Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Hello, lovely listeners. Dr. Mary here. And as always, I am joined by the fabulous Dr. Lucy. Hello, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm good today, Mares. I am really good. Really good. You know, some days you just have good days. Like some days have rubbish days. Don't get me wrong. But today's a great one. It's a cracker. You're by and large a very positive person, I must say. So I think that your good days definitely outnumber your bad. Yes. Yes. And I would say my bad days come just when I'm probably burning the candle a bit. You know, my cup is empty and then I'm running on fumes and it's like, right. Yes. So for me, rest is something I need to do a little, I need to get a little better at. Yes. Yeah. We all, we all have our own little self-care challenges. So I can, I certainly have my own. Keeping my stress in check is, is an ongoing, ongoing pursuit for me. Excellent. Today's podcast is a cool topic. They're all cool topics, but this one is no exception. Today we're, we're asking the question, is keto a dirty word? First of all, I reckon, Lucy, we should clarify for our fabulous listeners, what is keto? What is low carb? Is there a difference? And if so, what is it? Yeah. So I think the word keto gets bandied around a fair bit without definition. So some people's idea of keto is that you might have, you know, coffee with butter and MCT oil, you have bacon and eggs. You're basically spending, you're having a lot of fat in your diet. And for some people and certain conditions, which we'll talk about a bit later, that can be helpful But it's not really what we think of if we're thinking of a ketogenic diet. I really love, so Stephen Finney, P-H-I-N-N-E-Y, is what we would call, he's probably one of the founding fathers of the research into keto and ketogenic diets. And he uses this lovely phrase, which is a well-formulated ketogenic diet. And basically, it's very similar to our formulation of um, low-carb real food. You know, a ketogenic diet that's made out of um, Atkins bars and processed things in packets is not a very well-formulated diet. And in fact, really, I guess the thing that underpins all of our philosophy is that real food is the key. You've got to do real food first, and then you can nuance it down a little bit. Low carb, real food all the way. Why keto? What does this word keto even mean? Yeah, so keto, it's, it refers, look, it's traditionally came about when a, a ketogenic diet was formulated to help treat children with intractable epilepsy right back in the 20s. So 1920s, like not 2020s. <laughs> so it has been around a very long time. And what it is, is that your body produces ketones or ketone bodies, they're called. So your body produces ketone bodies, uh, which are a type of fuel, which our brain can use, as well as the cells in our body. So it comes from when your body predominantly uses fat for fuel, then it will make ketone bodies, which are really useful. Hmm. So that's the, the keto diet. When you're in what we call nutritional ketosis. Um, Your carbs are so low that your body's burning fat for fuel rather than carbs, and so your ketones are a little bit higher. But what about low carb? 
Yeah, so low carb again, I guess the ketogenic diet is a subset, if you like, of, of low carb because there are no definitions. This is the thing. People talk about diets. What is a low carb diet? There's no actual definition. But the majority of people in our society probably eating, you know, maybe 250 grams of carbs a day. Some people would eat a hell of a lot more. Some people eating 400, probably 600 grams of carbs a day. Most people who are doing keto, if you like, are aiming for 20 to 25 grams a day. It's quite low. Low carbs definition can range depending on who you talk to. And, you know, some people would have it as anything under 150. We'd probably go, look, anything under about 80 would be considered low carb. Again, you know, we're not in absolutes. This is give or take. 80, 100, you know, it doesn't really matter. Somewhere around that that phrase. Certainly nowhere near 250 and certainly nowhere near 600. Absolutely, yes. So question that I get a lot all the time, in fact, from people who are wanting to use keto diet to lose weight or improve their metabolic health is people are are concerned that, you know, they're in keto, but they're not losing weight or they're not in keto. Does this mean that I'm I'm not not in nutritional ketosis? Does this mean I'm not losing weight? And people can get quite caught up in measuring their ketones in their blood and worrying about the levels with relation to whether or not they're going to lose weight. It's a really common cause of confusion, I believe. So Lucy, what would you say to these people who have a weight loss goal, but are getting a bit caught up in their ketones? So being in ketosis if you like so your body's producing ketones and your brain can use it for fuel it can be a really helpful thing for mental clarity sometimes for energy levels but the question is are these ketones coming from the fat on your body or the fat on your plate so are you ingesting them or are you making your own so if you're wanting to lose and when we talk about lose weight, of course, we're talking about lose fat because nobody wants to, you know, you can chop a leg off and you'll lose 25 kilos, but it's not helpful. So when you're wanting to lose fat or burn fat, then you're wanting to burn your body fat and get your ketones from there. But the interesting thing is that we actually don't get, we still, there's so much still for the human yeah. body, even though we've come so far, there's so much we still don't understand, even about something a bit like ketones. So you know, Mary and I, you, you and I were talking just off yes. air about our own, you know, when we've tested our own ketones just for fun. So, Mez, what what happens when you test yours? Yeah, so I, I, I'm not a very good ketone body producer for some reason. I'm not particularly stressed about this. So I lose weight on a low-carb real food diet. I've, I've, I've lost a good 15 kilos. I feel really good. My metabolic health is fabulous. But even when I'm fasting, when I measure my ketones, they don't go up very high. So nutritional ketosis, again, there aren't any sort of, you know, completely standard guidelines of what this is. But generally we say nutritional ketosis is when you've got ketones above, you know, 0.3 to 0.4 nanomoles per litre all out to about 3.0, 4.0 would be pretty high. So when I measure my blood ketones, beta-hydroxybutyrate in my blood with a special ketone monitor, 
I like. Oh, I love it when you talk nerd like that. Beta hydroxybutyrate. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> my beta hydroxybutyrate. Uh, really, like it gets the highest. It, it gets even with like twenty four hour fast. It's like point four. It's pretty underwhelming. I just, I don't know. I just don't make them, and I don't know why. How about you, Lise? Tell us about your ketones. Well, see, I've got another interesting theory on that because I'm actually an excellent ketone. I don't know if I make them or I don't use them, but my blood ketone levels are always quite reasonable. They'll be certainly uh, over one, sometimes two, 2.4. But again, we don't actually know what that means. So does that mean that I'm just producing ketone? Does it mean that I'm not utilizing ketones? I mean, I, you know, again, having muscular dystrophy, I don't have big muscle mass to perhaps use up the ketones. So they're just sitting there in the blood. You know, if you're a very active person or you've got big muscle mass, maybe your body uses them. So it's making and using them at the high rate. That's why I think we need to be really careful about the numbers because we actually don't quite get it all completely yet. And that's not just me and Mary don't get it. <laughs> Nobody gets it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it is really important to hammer home that point that being in nutritional ketosis does not mean that you're losing weight, that you're losing your fat stores. Being in nutritional ketosis means that your body is burning fat for fuel and your body will burn the fat that it sees first. And the fat it sees first is the fat that you eat. So people could be in nutritional ketosis, but burning the fat that they're eating, you know, in their fat bombs or their whole food or in their buttered coffees or MCT or wherever they're getting it from. And they're just burning that fat and their fat stores. And if people have a weight loss goal, it is the fat stores that they want to burn can stay the same. So nutritional ketosis doesn't necessarily equal fat loss. And also if you're on a low carb diet, you can be burning your fat without being in nutritional ketosis. And I'm, I'm a prime example of that because I have to work pretty hard to get pretty measly ketone levels. It doesn't bother me. It's just the way that I am. Mm, absolutely. So people can, you know, test their blood and, you know, they'll go, oh, my God, I've only got 0.1, but yet they've lost five kilos. They spend all their time worrying about the number. So don't, you know, as you hear us say, put away your scales. Yes. You don't have to be in ketosis if weight loss is your goal. Now, there might be some people who are really interested actually in, in ketosis. That might be their goal, like to be in nutritional ketosis is their goal. So, Mares, what sort of patients have you found that nutritional ketosis rather than weight loss is their goal? Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a few different you know groups of people for whom they want the high ketones in their blood, the high beta-hydroxybutyrate. They, 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 they might not have a, a weight loss goal or if they do have a weight loss goal, it's playing second fiddle to their desire to have high ketones in their blood. So ketones have a, quite a potent anti-inflammatory effect. Again, we're not completely sure why, but they seem to. And so there are people for whom this is their goal. So there is not yet an enormous amount of science behind it, but some people who have cancer, would like to have their ketones high and be in nutritional ketosis for that. There is a lot of evidence around people who've got neuroinflammatory disorders that ketosis can help with their neurological issues. Childhood epilepsy, definitely. It is a recognised treatment to reduce seizures in children. So they get their ketones up and they have less seizures. It's really quite amazing. So these ketone bodies do have potent and healthful effects on our body. Also, people might want to be in nutritional ketosis for 
neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's. Again, not lots and lots of evidence. And as always, what we are discussing in this podcast is not individualized medical advice. But certainly there are studies going around the world now looking at the role of nutritional ketosis as a treatment for Alzheimer's. And then also there's a subgroup of people, athletes, endurance athletes and other athletes who want to um, have the ketones for fuel for their body to improve their athletic performance. So for all of these people, they are after the ketones and not the weight loss. And there are ways that you can increase your ketone production that is sort of sidestepping weight loss here. And um, Lucy, what can people do if they wanted to really, if they're they're going for the ketones? Yeah, so you can switch your protein for fat, which is not our recommended thing because, as you know, we're always banging on about how much we love protein. But certainly if you were just looking at dietary intervention, you would have more of your intake coming from fat it's actually pretty hard to, it's not hard, but it, it is more difficult to have a very high formulated ketogenic diet purely from food. It's a, a lot more restrictive than perhaps a low carb or a protein like we recommend, you, you know, pick your protein. But so you could do that. You can take exogenous ketones. Now they can actually come, like MCT oil, which is just a fancy sort of version of coconut oil, is basically a good way to get to improve your ketones which you can just buy that from the supermarket there are and i would urge you to be cautious of this there are companies that make ketone you know they called exogenous ketone solutions are often a drink or a powder there seems to be a lot of multi-level marketing companies that are doing this so just be mindful you don't actually need to have that if you don't want to and the other thing i'd be mindful of is things like powdered mct oil highly processed so you know when we come back to our basic thing of eating real food there's a lot of processing that goes on to make a powdered mct oil it might be convenient to carry around in your handbag but you know at what cost is that you know there's a lot of chemical restructuring so that's probably not what we would recommend another point of confusion i reckon too is People concerned that ketosis is dangerous. Even health professionals can fall into this trap. I think much less nowadays as ketogenic diets have become much more popular and, and, and more mainstream. But there is this fear about them and people get a bit confused. I think it, they can be confused with a life-threatening condition called ketoacidosis. Nutritional ketosis and ketoacidosis are really different. They're really, 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 really different. So in, like I said, in nutritional ketosis, the beta-hydroxybutyrate levels are typically, you know, below four, below five at the absolute um, maximum millimoles per litre. And in this level, they're perfectly safe. Ketoacidosis is a condition that can happen in type 1 diabetes when they are not getting enough insulin. It can also sometimes happen in type 2 diabetes in certain circumstances as a side effect of certain medications. And it's when the ketone levels are you know, above 8, above 9, above 10, and the blood gets quite acidic because of the ketone bodies in there. Uh, Steve Finney, again, 
he's fabulous, he, he has this wonderful analogy to describe the difference between nutritional ketosis and ketoacidosis. So nutritional ketosis is like going out and watering your garden, watering your veggies so that um, they're nice and healthy and nice and hydrated. That's a sort of that, that level of watering, that's nutritional ketosis. Whereas ketoacidosis is a big monsoon torrential flood that comes along and washes away the entire topsoil. They are really different. <laughs> mm, they are. They are. It's interesting to note that, yeah, nutritional ketosis, you feel good. You don't feel unwell. You know, if you're feeling unwell, then that's we have to be mindful of, of what else could be going on. Generally speaking, with ketoacidosis, people have high blood glucose that goes along with it. So their sugar is high and their ketones are high, which is which is unusual. Well, it's not unusual. It's common with ketoacidosis. But there is a more rare condition but equally dangerous called euglycemic ketoacidosis, and that's where the blood glucose is normal. So up until recent years, people then weren't checking like in emergency departments for ketones because it was almost unheard of to have ketoacidosis with normal blood glucose. We now know that's changed a bit with um, a couple of medications that are out there. Their sort of overall names called SGLT2s and they usually end in flozen. Flozen, that's so, right. Yeah, so yeah. like we call our cholesterol meds statins, these are called the flozens. Yeah, a bigger flozen, other ones, yeah. Or uh, Foxeja and Jardiance, a couple of their generic names, there's, there's way more. There's lots of generic yeah. names for these medications. And then interestingly, there's some documented uh, studies on breastfeeding women who have developed euglycemic ketoacidosis. So we certainly don't, in our neck of the woods, we don't recommend uh, very low-carb diets or keto diet for people who are breastfeeding or for people who are on these SGLT2 inhibitors. We would certainly go a bit higher, more around that between 50 and 80 grams. Yep. And ideally get people off the SGLT2 inhibitors if we can because we, we like to wean people off their diabetes medications as diet naturally causes their, their diabetes to go into remission. Totally. In fact, that's our favourite thing to do. It's always a good day when you can de-prescribe. I love it. Yes. <laughs> good. So I guess the thing is, lovely, is that we really, you know, do you go low carb? Do you go keto? That's completely individual. Like, you know, you get to decide because you're the boss of you. There's no right or wrong. The key, I guess, would be really to focus on reducing processed food, processed low-carb breads and wraps and all of those things can be used occasionally, but they're really not that helpful. When a processed product says keto-friendly, it's probably not. And, you know, when a processed product says healthy, it's probably not. So just be very sceptical. <laughs> and uh, as much as you can, doesn't have to be perfect, you know, doesn't have to be perfect but as much as you can your body will love it when you feed it with low-carb real food it absolutely will wonderful all right darlings i'm going off to skip in the sunshine mm. get a little bit of vitamin d into me i'm gonna go rest it's um I'm, I'm gonna take the afternoon off i've decided very good you can go skip in the sunshine i'll go have a snooze yeah skipping and snoozing not done at the same time perfect no. <laughs> all right darling see you next week bye everybody so my lovely listeners that ends this episode of real health and weight loss 
I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.